Amen. Let go and let God have his way. That is all of our testimony at one point or another. We had to let go. And as soon as we did, we started seeing things happening. Thank you, Music Ministry, for your gift unto us on today and for every uh, opportunity you gather, we gather, and you lead us in worship in this manner. Giving honor to the Spirit of Christ, to our pastor for his continued leadership and for uh, just being who he is. We are grateful to God for that. So we gather today to hear what thus saith the Lord. And so God, I pray right now that you would fill us with your spirit. We've worshiped you in song. We've worshiped you in deed in our giving. And now God, we ask that we continue our worship of you in proclamation. I am simply ordained dust, but all that I am and all that I am not is available unto you. So use us for your service, preacher and people, people and preacher, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts may be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The verdict is in. One officer has been found guilty of the crimes committed while under the banner of policing. The jury heard the evidence, considered the credibility of the witnesses and the testimony of the experts. All of those factors were taken into consideration and we have a guilty verdict. I don't know how you feel, but I'm, I'm relieved in one breath, but my very next breath is held in abeyance. Because I, I, I'll exhale when this modern day lynching or the man responsible for the modern day lynching, one of the men responsible for the modern day lynching is sentenced. Nevertheless, I believe that the jury had no choice but to convict because of the powerful evidence that the state presented, the state of Minnesota. And, and thank God that it went to the state because the gravity of this case was such that the state of Minnesota spared no expense. They, they spared nothing. They, they didn't hold back, unlike the local yokels of that town who initially wanted to sweep this under the carpet. They wanted to sweep the death under the rug and charge uh, this officer with the minimum of manslaughter. But the protests, the response and the reaction around the world has begun to change the narrative from always defaulting to the police being right to defund the police. I'm tired, like many of you, of the police against citizens and, and, and the military might against meager men and women. And, and some say that the atmosphere that we are living in has come to pass because of recent events, uh, uh, particularly and especially 9-11. And they say since then we've, we've had to shift gears. But, but I want to argue today. That this oppressive state, this, this state of, of opposition to the truth 
is not new. I want to argue that this position of of fighting, it's it's been around for a while. Even before there was a Minnesota PD, there were temple guards. Come back with me to the temple at Jerusalem where our texts lift off. The captain of the temple was the person in charge of keeping order in the temple. They were the temple police. Their role was to follow the instructions of the leadership of the temple, the Sanhedrin. And and if anyone was attempting to interrupt or disrupt the worship that they could be, that is those who were uh, interrupting, could be subject to jail. They they were equivalent to what uh, Rome, uh, not Rome, what what the Vatican has uh, in reference to the Swiss Guard. They have their own police. Reverend Pastor, maybe we may need to get our own Presbyterian police. Their sole purpose was to protect or to be at the beck and call of the leadership and, and protect the, the intention was to protect the service of God. But, but, but isn't it ironic that those very same words are found oftentimes in the models of many police departments, protect and serve? And so my question is, um, um, who is being protected and who are being served? That's the question that I ask, and that's the same question that was posed to Peter in verse 7. But the, the Sanhedrin asked it in this way. They said, by what power do you do this? This. What, what is the this in this? Uh, In order to understand the this, we have to step back a moment, go back a chapter. In In the previous chapter, Peter and John were minding their business. They were on uh, their way uh, into the temple. They were just doing what they normally did, and and there was a beggar outside, and and he began to beg, and and Peter's reply was straightforward. It was no chaser. He saw what the beggar needed, and Peter said to him, and look, look, look at us. He said, I have no silver, no gold, but what I have, I give to you. And in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And Jesus and, and, and Peter and, and John reached down and, and raised the man up. And, and the text says that his feet and his ankles were strong. The this that the council was referring to, the this that they were questioning Peter and John about was the healing of the beggar. They wanted to know by whose authority did they, did they heal this man. They, they wanted to know by what power was this miracle done. But they missed the mark. See, they were too busy looking to tear uh, Peter and John down that they missed the fact that Jesus had lifted this man up. If you go back, you'll see that, that the beggar wasn't allowed to go into the temple prior to that. Prior to that, because of cleanliness rules, he wasn't allowed to be inside to get close to God. He was prevented from being in the presence of God by temple guards, by temple police. They didn't want him near. But that day, that day, 
the one who had been outside, who had been begging, he walks into the temple and he starts worshiping and praising. And, and I imagine he was stepping hard. Uh, text says that his feet and his ankles, that there was something about when God moves and there's a miraculous thing. It may not even go back to normal. It may go back to something different. When God moves in your life, there's something extra. And so he walks in. The text says he begins to worship and praise God. He begins to get the attention of the Sanhedrin because he was once outside and now he's inside. And so the rulers, the uh, verse chapter four says the elders, the scribes, along with Ananias, Ananias, the high priest and, and, and uh, were, were upset because they couldn't understand why and how these two brothers who were ordinary in the sight of most folk that these two were used to do such a dynamic change. And it was very subtle, it was very simple, and sometimes that's all that God really wants to do. It's, it's the small, great miracles that happened. They, they, they couldn't understand how these commoners who didn't have great uh, accreditations behind their name, they didn't have the DNA of growing up into leadership positions, and yet the beggar was there, healed, hopping, and praising God. They ask the question and then Peter goes in. Peter says, my power, our power comes from him who you rejected. This commoner, this, this relatively nobody, he says, my power comes from him whom you crucified. My power comes from a source that you tried to silence. My power comes from the one you renounced who is now resurrected. My power comes from the name that is above every name. My power comes from the name of Jesus Christ. Peter said, look to Jesus. And, and, and you got you, you to remember, you got to put some of this in, in the fullness, fullest context. Uh, uh, Pete is talking to the Sanhedrin. And you remember, Pete, just a few weeks ago, he was denying even knowing Jesus. They, they asked him three times, Wer weren't you the one that was hanging out with him? Weren't you one of his followers? No, nah, it wasn't me. No, I saw you there, weren't you? At no, no, I'm telling you, it wasn't me. Peter got so upset that the third time by the time they asked him some people the way they read the the Greek it almost sounded like he was ready to cut somebody he was that bothered by the fact that they would associate him with Jesus and now Peter is standing there in front of the Sanhedrin in front of power and he's speaking truth to power he was telling them that you rejected the stone that has become the very cornerstone of power this is Jesus the one for whom you thought that you could crucify him but now he's doing uh, providing cures it is done in the name of Jesus now Peter I gotta add this now now Peter wasn't just doing this on his own the text says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and when you think about it in, in, in my mind as when, when I'm reading the text and, and I'm listening to God and, and God speaking to me I'm reading the text and, and it begins to paint a picture for me I, I imagine that that very same Peter who I choose to believe that, that it's not that he wasn't afraid of the Sanhedrin 
Because remember, um, they had been dragged out of the temple previously. They had been, the, the police and, and, and anyone, anyone of color, anyone who has been kissed by the sun, anyone who is a shade lighter than, uh, you understand that, that when the police show up, when the lights go on, when the flash, there's something about your heart, maybe you don't understand, but every black man that I know of, and I know it happens to women differently, but, but you may be totally right, but there's something that happens inside because you say this might be it. They were in the temple. They had seen Jesus crucified. And all of a sudden, the very ones who were, were responsible, the authorities come and snatch them out of, uh, of the temple. They were embarrassed by that. Then they were thrown in jail. How humiliating they were. And now they stand falsely before a kangaroo court that has the history of subjecting innocent men to unusually harsh sentences. Peter never stopped being himself, and I choose to believe that there still was some fear in him. But despite that fear, he had power. And I guess that's the message for someone today. That's the message for you and I, that, that, that you can be afraid and still be powerful. That, that, that your heart may skip a beat, but, but, but you need to know that, that, that you have uh, God's heart inside of you. Yes, you may have made some mistakes in the past, but like Peter, you can make a powerful proclamation for Jesus today. You may have been humiliated by a system designed to denigrate you and deny you, but you can still have power. Despite the fear, you can operate in faith. Faith isn't the absence necessarily of fear. Faith is operating in faith. That means that that you don't, uh, 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 you may not see it, but you believe it. That 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 you are calling on the name of Jesus, and when you call on the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow. When you call on the name of Jesus, you are calling on power. See, you and I too, we're 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 called even in this day to call on the name of Jesus. We're called uh, to speak truth. To power, we're, we're we're called to to speak for those who find themselves without a voice. We're we're called to proclaim in word and in deed the gospel message. John and Peter, they didn't just say uh, in Jesus' name, get up. But the text says they knelt down and reached out and lifted him up. That they helped him. My brothers and sisters, we do good work when we talk about helping someone. But when was the last time you reached out and touched someone? When was the last time you were willing to go the extra mile? When was the last time? You were willing to give your jacket in the name of Jesus. Let me encourage someone. Let me encourage you. Uh, 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 because sometimes we, we face our own Sanhedrins that we want to do it. But fear kind of holds us back. And, 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 and for some, it's the fear of not knowing what to say. That you think that, that somehow or another that's... that's uh, the work of sharing and, and, and talking about Jesus is assigned to those who may have a title called evangelism, reverend, pastor, uh, 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 deacon. But, but it's not about title. You see, you and I have to trust that God's spirit who resides in us will give us ordinary words the right way. Because that's all it really takes. It just takes a conversation. It just takes talking to someone. That's why John said, uh, uh, and Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none. He wasn't trying to dazzle them with words. He said, but what I have, I give to you, Jesus. 
It's the ordinary. It's the ordinary that, that fills uh, folks with seeds of righteousness. It, it's the ordinary uh, that allows the spirit-led or, or spirit-led words help lift those who are subjected and kept out of societal spaces. I tell you, it's, it's spirit-led words that encourage and are inviting. When spirit-led words build, and, and I, I know that you, like me, have been uh, the, the recipient of a spirit-led word, that you were at your lowest point or you were at a low point in your life, and, and someone just said something simple. Pastor challenged us today, just now. He challenged us in, in the invitation of, of uh, the fellowship, in the passing of the peace. He said, reach out to someone. Maybe that's the call for you to be, to have spirit-led conversation on this week. Someone who, not, not someone who's in your top five that you always call, but someone who needs to hear from God. And maybe you are the vessel that God wants to use. For others, their, their Sanhedrin is the fear of being persecuted. But let me remind you that, that if God is for us, not if, since God is for us, not even the devil who roars like a lion can stand against us. And here's the thing with, with that certain if, if, if uh, 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 fear of being persecuted is your Sanhedrin, um, uh, let, let, me, let me say to you, it is not uh, if you will, but when you will. Because Jesus said, if they hated me, what makes you think they won't hate you? Uh, and here's the kicker. Most people will not face life or death choices like Jesus did. For the most part, yes, our feelings may get hurt, and and yes, our feelings uh, uh, in that. And but 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 you need to understand that that God did not give us the spirit of fear. But but He said, stand firmly on the rock, and and even like Peter, there may be some fear, but you stand and and watch what happens. You stand, and and I promise, someone will never be the same because you called on the name of Jesus. Someone's life will be altered because you called on the name of Jesus. So let me leave you with this challenge. Like Peter and John, free uh, to share uh, the blessings of of Jesus. Let's, you and I, find that very same power that resides within us through the Holy Spirit, that, that we're, we're simply ordinary people, to use the words of John Legend. Uh, we're ordinary folks, but, but we can overcome our Sanhedrin. We can effectively uh, profess that, that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And so the verdict, yes, is in. And we await sentencing. And like Peter and John, I guess we need to expect some resistance. Maybe, but maybe, just, just maybe, God, God will be gracious to this nation. But don't be surprised. As a matter of fact, you and I ought to come to expect as Christians that there is going to be some resistance to good news. But like Peter and John, we'll be prepared by the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus' name. Amen.